0: Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Beard Camps, and today's guest is Jeff Thomas, who's the CEO and founder of Arcos, a company that exists to help families thrive across generations by connecting their wealth with their purpose. Welcome to the show, Jeff.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad our mutual friend, Matt Gilbert, connected us, and that I actually got to meet you in your office and meet some of your amazing team members, and especially because I read about you before I met you, that you realize the advantages of working as a team to serve clients early on in your career, but I know you started your career as a CPA and crunching numbers and putting financial plans in place. So I'm curious, how did you get to the point that you realized the importance of that?
1: Good question. Yeah, I worked for Arthur Anderson right out of school in 1990 as an auditor. And I think we worked probably too many hours, Mm -hmm. but I worked with some really smart people on some really big projects. And you know, sometimes, especially when it's your first sort of real job out of college, I mean, you don't have anything much to compare. So I was learning things that I later look back on that were helpful, like life is a team sport is one of our principles at Arcos and these big sort of consulting companies and accounting firms and sort of scaled professional services businesses. You know, when you work on big projects, there's no way one person can do it. And then what happened was I made my way into the wealth management business from the accounting business. And it was very strange, even at scaled organizations where I was, it was really a lot of silos where you had to bring in the client, do the work, have the review meetings. And and I thought it was very strange because if you're going to work on bigger projects again, you really needed specialists and a team and sort of a guide for the client. And so when we felt led to start Arcos about six years ago, you know, we really brought back that principle of life as a team sport. So we really are trying to build a company that's got different specialists who work on a team, but with shared values and vision and that sort of thing.
0: Well, somehow, though, you already experienced success really serving others above and beyond, because my understanding is you made it to the top 2% of advisors and even were on the advisory board at Morgan Stanley because of your approach. And I know that's an industry that is very tough for most people to succeed in. So would you say even there, your success came from learning how not to have silos and focus on clients? Or you you tell me, why do you think you're in the top 2% there?
1: Well, I think to be frank, what's most valued at the larger organizations, and I think in a, in a lot of organizations is the the ability to bring in new business. Mm-hmm. And so even though I'm sort of on the uh, extrovert, introvert line there, I'm sort of a, a person who enjoys the numbers, but I also like meeting with people. So I'm sort of 50-50 on that. And I think this business of wealth management, I mean, it is a numbers business, but it's also a, a people business. And so I think just the way God made me sort of fit this business Now, even though I was in the sort of top echelon of advisors, I still thought I was missing some things, really wasn't satisfied at those big firms, the way I could deliver things. So I I kept having a vision for being able to do more for families, talk more about not just investments and strategy and financial planning, but more about family and legacy. And, you know, I, I knew that those topics were very important for people. And so I really wanted to build even more of a team than we had. At the big firms, and that's why we felt called to, to launch Arcos so that we could really communicate even with uh, a team that did even more for clients. So it was really, we did have a team really sort of five people, you know, when we were at the big firms, but that team expanded when we started Arcos and our offerings expanded.
0: So, do you have any tools or any ways that you create this amazing teamwork that you realize the value of?
1: Well, one of the things you asked about was a maybe a leadership best practice and, you know, the first I've talked about these 12 principles, one of them is life is a team sport. Well, if you're going to have a team, you've got to work together, but, you know, each position player I think has to be empowered to do their job and put in a position to have the most success. And I heard a story one time about Uh, John Wooden, the famed UCLA basketball coach that won all those championships. And he said what he would do is find the best athletes and then watch them play naturally and see where they were most effective on the floor and then design plays for them to get to those places on the floor where they could be most effective. For instance, if they were good at shooting from 10 feet out on one side, he'd, he'd run plays to get them to that, to that place on the floor in the best position to score. And so uh, one of the principles that we use at Arcos is empower, don't control. And of course, we're in the wealth management business. So we're giving financial advice. We think that principle actually is good for clients when they're dealing with their families. A lot of times money can become a control thing. And we try to encourage them to think about how their money can empower maybe their heirs or the people they feel financially responsible for without controlling them. And uh, we think about the same thing inside the company. So we have a COO who's just great at running operations, much better than I am uh, at doing HR, and and, and things like that and just overseeing strategy and, and that kind of thing. We have a woman on our team, Sarah, who you met, who is amazing at the family and legacy discussions. And we've sent her to all of those conferences and she, God has given her a gift to deal with families in that way. Yes. We've got a guy named Ethan, who is an amazing math student at Duke, who he's forgotten more math equations than I'll ever know. He's amazing at running our investment platform and, and our investment committee. Those are his gifts. And so, We just try to empower all of these different areas. We've got a guy named Kane who is our digital strategist and we think digital is very important. So how do we serve our clients better using the digital channel? So we think these things are important, but we really want these people to feel empowered to be creative, even to fail and try new things, but they really have control of their sphere. But we all have to keep reminding ourselves of the same direction. We're rowing in the same direction, but we've got different job descriptions. So sometimes I'll try to meddle a little too much in in some areas. But at the end of the day, I really think about that all the time is don't we all want to be empowered? I don't like to be told what to do. I like freedom to be creative and do those things. And so, you know, that's one sort of leadership best practice that we we try to implement, obviously, imperfectly.
0: And Jeff, how do you do that? Because my understanding is you have a hybrid remote team, correct? How do you keep that in place with such a structure?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Our home office is in Houston, but we've got people in six cities. This is one of the two times a year that where we fly everybody, and and then we'll spend about three days together this week, really just doing celebration things. I mean, there's a little bit of best practice sharing, but we know that most of the time they just want to be with each other and learn from each other and build relationships. To your point, you know, Ethan, our head of uh, in, in investments, is you know he's remote in North Carolina, and now he li- used to live in Houston. So I've had a lot of years with him and some of the team with him here in Houston, and and I know knew him for years before he joined our firm. So we have some relational capital, but he doesn't have that same with everybody else. So it's good for him just to be around those people. Of course, he can share some of the things he's doing and they can share some of the professional things, but a lot of it's just relational. And then in the summer, we do the same thing. We have everybody fly in and we do a training. So it's more of the professional side. So we, we do try to invest a lot of money in just getting together I know we've talked about this before, but this COVID thing has been so weird for teams. Mm -hmm. You know, it's great that we have this tool called Zoom that you and I are recording on now, but it's just not the same as being together. So I think you have to construct these times to be together. In addition to those times, we have a weekly call. It's literally 30 minutes, but everybody in the company is on the call and we kind of go around the horn and give an update on what's going on and repeat the vision, mission, values and tease out a principle. So we just, we think those things can get lost if you don't repeat them.
0: Well, and you squeezed in another best practice sounds like to me earlier on when you were talking about your team. I also heard you give a lot of credit to other people's strengths. So how much of that do you think is needed to succeed? Oh,
1: this is, this is huge. So, you you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who have done all these personality tests and, and maybe even gone through it with their team for some team building. And, and I think maybe this even gets to a a leadership mistake I've made before, which you, Mm -hmm. you were asking me to share. And yes. One of one of those personality things. It would it would ask uh, that we went through showed how much does each team member need or want a pat on the back? Kind of mm-hmm. to your point about yeah. doing that. And so I don't remember what my need was for it, but I remember about my ability to give it. Was pretty low, so I'm an old accountant. It's like, okay, are you doing your job or not? I mean, if you're doing your job, great, uh, you're doing your job. Do I have to point out that you're doing your job? You know, anyway, it was just, and, and I'll, I'll never forget. I had, we had this. This was the mistake I made. We had a woman on our team years ago, and there was a client that called in. I think they were probably just having a bad day, and they got a little short with this woman, and she's very sensitive, uh, administrative person, and you know, she really wants to do a good job for people. She does a great job for people, frankly, but anyway, she, she just felt poorly from this interaction. I don't even remember the facts of what happened. Some administrative thing gone wrong. And I remember she was crying and she's outside my office and I walk out and I see her, the tears running down her face. And, and of course, now I just start the analytical part of my brain takes over. And I was like, well, what happened? And, you know, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this and how can we fix this problem? And one of our other teammates literally strolls around the corner sees her crying and says, oh, come here, give me a hug. And she's like, that's all I needed. And I was like, what? I've spent the last 30 minutes trying to figure out the problem and diagnose the problem when all you needed was a hug. you know." And anyway, whether it's a hug or not, I wasn't addressing the root problem, which was her need for affirmation. I was trying to make it about X's and O's, not affirmation. And so I love that example of me not doing a great job addressing an issue where really all was needed was empathy. And so from that day forward, I mean, we'd already been through the personality thing. I we, I used to joke with everybody. It was like, oh, gosh, uh, the guy who gave her the hug is great at giving empathy and feedback and giving the pat on the back. Mm-hmm. I'm poor at it. But you know what? I can learn from him. So it is helpful in that moment. It was helpful to have him on the team that naturally reacted with that mm-hmm. pat on the back and that empathy. But but since then, I've tried to get better. And actually, <laughs> so I'll probably never be at his level where that comes so naturally, but on a scale from one to 10, if I was a three, could I get to a five or a six by trying? <laughs> yes. I think I can. And I think I have. I should let them score me again. I'd probably give myself a five. They'd probably give me a four. Okay. But it's still better than a three where I was before. So I think those blinds, that was a blind spot for me. I never even heard of the idea mm. of, you know, the, the, the pat on the back, like that being a, a sort of best practice, if you will. Yeah. You know, so it just, it raised my awareness for it, which was super helpful.
0: Well, I'm glad you're interested in continuing on that path because the workforce these days needs that more and more because everyone's having a hard time, seems like, in life right now. So do you have a last tip or two on, you know, what leaders can do to make it through crisis?
1: Listen, when we got together, you gave us a master class in conflict resolution and I took scribbled notes, but I do not pretend to have anywhere near uh, the skills in that area that you do. And so I would like to get better in areas like I just described and in conflict resolution. But the thing for me that, as I was uh, sort of thinking and praying about what to share with you today and in your listeners, was the biggest advantage I think we've had is our clarity of mission and vision, and and what that's allowed us to do from the very beginning of starting Arcos. I, I used to, I'm in a little CEO group called C12, a little uh, Christian CEO group, and uh, and what I realized is one of the gifts God has given us is a total clarity of our vision and mission, and so our our vision is to build the ideal God honoring wealth management company. And our mission is to connect people's money with with their purpose and help families thrive across generations, as you said at the top of the show. And so everything we do when we hire people and then we have our values and principles, we really use those actively to to hire and frankly, fire and frankly, get through conflict. You know, We always kind of go back to, so I'm not maybe great at the empathy piece. I have a feeling you and I'll be spending more time together for coaching for (laughs) me to get better. That's where I think you're amazing at really taking the time, to listen and understand. I can absolutely get better at that. But the thing that helps us is this unified vision. We're not confused about the kind of culture we're trying to build, the kind of team we're trying to build and what we're trying to accomplish. And I think that gets us, I like to think, at least halfway there, maybe 75% of the way there.
0: And then you, on top of that, have a podcast to prove and to highlight your vision because it's called Generous Business Owner Podcast. And, you know, you put your money where your mouth is in terms of your mission and your vision. So if they want to know more about your company, they can go to arcosglobal.com. I'll put that in the description, but thank you so much for being you know, so open and so willing to serve other people, including by being on my podcast.
1: Well, the, the service you do out there in uh, helping teams really connect and be unified is uh, much needed. So I appreciate uh, your ministry as well.